this semester we've been doing uh, this uh, teaching series that we call Belong. And uh, if you haven't been around uh, yet, or tonight's your uh, first night, it's exactly what it sounds like. Um, what is belonging? How do we understand belonging? How do we experience belonging? How do we create belonging? And uh, even why belonging uh, itself is a, is a central pillar of the identity of God and the work of God. Uh, we've talked about the universal need uh, for belonging, whether you are a massive extrovert or uh, totally antisocial. I believe that it is, uh, there is a universal uh, felt need uh, for belonging. Uh, in all of us, um, and so how, what do we do with that? What does that mean for us? Uh, <clears throat> we've talked about how the entire story of God is about creating a base level of belonging for us uh, so that we know uh, that we are a people no matter what, no matter what our experience is, no matter what we know, what we feel, what we um, go through with other people, um, we know that we have a place of always belonging uh, in the arms of God, and we can be absolutely certain of that. Uh, we've talked about uh, how we belong to each other, uh, what that looks like and why that's important. We've talked about uh, how we belong to the universal church, and that's something that exists uh, even over time. We belong to this uh, thing that God has created that's way bigger than us and way more expansive to us, but that includes us, and we're an important part of that. Uh, we've talked about how uh, belonging gives you a voice that is important, how who you are and, and what you have to say and what you believe is very, very uh, important in, in all of our conversations uh, together. Uh, we've talked about uh, the temptation to isolate ourselves uh, and why isolation uh, really is a, is a lie and something that uh, seeks to, to take us away from the power uh, that God has for us um, in belonging. Uh, so we've covered a lot of ground uh, so far this semester uh, with this, um, what is kind of on its surface, a simple idea. But there's so much to it, and, and there's still so much more to go uh, through the rest of this semester. But tonight I want to start with this question uh, for us. Uh, you don't have to answer this question. Uh, you can kind of put your experience out there if you'd like. Uh, but but it's a heavy one. When have you thought that you belonged, but you actually didn't? <laughs> He's like, oh. Oh. that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it probably that that question probably pierced all of our hearts on some level because you've all probably experienced that in some kind of way, right? Um, it's hard. When have you thought you belonged? And it's not even like, well, I know that I'm not, but you thought that there was something real, there was something that you were a part of, a relationship that you were a part of, or, uh, or people that you were a part of, that you thought was so important and so real, but it actually wasn't. Right? When have you had a friend who turned out not to be a friend? We've all probably been through that kind of thing before, too, right? Um, some of you in here have 
heard me uh, tell the story of um, a, a person who was one of my closest friends in life. And uh, we did, uh, we were a part of a kind of a small group of people uh, that just did everything uh, together. And uh, she was connected to our uh, campus ministry um, when I was in school and she became a Christian. Uh, she actually, uh, she got into Let's Start Talking and did, um, did she did four projects uh, with Let's Start Talking all around the world. She was just, she was a really on fire kind of person uh, who had a, a pretty um, difficult and extraordinary kind of story from where she had uh, come from and her family experience and her life experience. Um, and we, we got close uh, through all of that. And even after I had uh, graduated and we had uh, gone uh, separate ways, I kept up with her uh, just about uh, every week, if not multiple times a week, just to stay in touch because uh, we had a really very, very close uh, relationship uh, like that. And it was really important to me. And I also felt like, uh, sh you know, just because of a lot of the difficulty that that she had been through and, you know, still experienced in many ways that I, I still needed to be somebody in her life who was regularly uh, there for her and, and supporting her. Um, and then uh, she got to a point where she discovered that she had uh, stage four stomach cancer. Uh, and this was looking to be terminal um, in her life. And so there were a lot of people who started uh, uh, coming around her and supporting her through that. And then, and then through the difficulty of that, her, um, her mom died. Uh, and uh, can, so can you just imagine these things that were piling on that kind of, uh, you know, when you're, when you're giving yourself to somebody and you're in that kind of friendship, uh, that it demands um, a lot of you and a lot of the uh, relationship. And then it wasn't a long uh, time after that, she was going through all of those things that her brother was killed uh, in, a, in just a mysterious, um, weird kind of circumstances. And, and so we gathered around her and, and helped her uh, through those kinds of things. Um, and we went on that w with that and I, I was just close with her through, through all of those things. Um, and then uh, it was a while after that, uh, maybe about a, a year or so after um, kind of the last of those really terrible things had happened while she was still going through cancer treatments and, uh, and all these things that, uh, long story short, uh, all fake, all fake, all complete lie, total lie, none of it was true. None of it. Uh, and I'm, I'm left in this place where, like, so all of that, all that I had poured out for you, all of what everybody had given to you, everything that we shared, all of the connection that we had, was all a lie. Based on what and why? I mean, there's there's times where I still struggle with the the why of that because it's so difficult to comprehend something that that felt so real, but it wasn't. It was false. It was fake. Um, 
So that is hard. I mean, that, that's a kind of extreme example of that, but it's really, really difficult to, to think that something is real and find out that it's not. And I think we all, uh, I think we find ourselves in experiences where we guide ourselves into things that seem like belonging, but they're not actually belonging. Now that one was kind of deceptive, but I think there's ways that we can know when we are getting into situations and with people and circumstances in our lives where belonging isn't actually belonging. So the sense of belonging can sometimes be deceptive for us. And that's kind of a hard thing to say and a hard thing to talk about. But there are ways where we can, uh, we can take paths into relationships, um, especially with uh, the people in this world and the people around us, where we are not deceiving ourselves into, uh, into things that aren't actually real. Uh, so this is, this is how, how do we avoid the things that are false in our life or that gives a, give us a false sense uh, of belonging. And so I actually want to talk about a story that, that doesn't directly talk about um, friendships or false friendships, but I think there's an implication in there with them. And we actually talked about this uh, several weeks. We kind of dived into this story uh, in depth several weeks ago when we talked about belonging to God because this story is essentially about how we belong to God. And that's the story of the prodigal son uh, in Luke 15. And, um, and Ben had even uh, taken us farther into this story. So we've, we've done a lot of digging uh, in this story this semester. Uh, but, so, if you've been around for that, uh, you, you've kind of heard a lot of the, uh, uh, the details of that story. If you don't know that story, it's a story about uh, a son who goes to his father and he demands his inheritance. And uh, the father reluctantly uh, gives that to the son. Uh, and the son just goes off, and he uh, he goes crazy with the inheritance. It it kind of it gets to a point where it all comes to an end, and he finds himself in a really destitute place. And and in that, he's searching for work. He finds himself in a place where he's feeding pigs, and he's like, "This food I'm giving to the pigs is better than what I have." And uh, and, he, and he comes to this realization: Well, I can I could maybe go back to my father. And I've already relinquished any right I have to being his son, but maybe he'll let me be like one of the servants, and I'll at least have a better life than this. And so he goes back, he, he takes the road back to his home, and uh, if you know the story, this, the father is, sees him from a long ways off and goes running to him, embraces him, brings him back into the family, actually throws a huge party for his return. Um, it's a very powerful story that teaches us a lot about God, but there's something kind of in it that I think is implied, and it's in these verses here, 13 and 14, that say, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, this is long, not long after he had uh, gathered all of his uh, inheritance from the father, he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. And so what I want us to imagine together is uh, wild living. What is this wild living? Let's talk about this. What, what do you imagine this wild living is for him? What does that involve? 
And let's be like PG-13 here as much as we can. Well, uh, okay, alcohol, all right. Oh, that's, that probably is true. Party, partying, not, not partying, partying. <laughs> yeah. All right. What does this look like? What do you think his life look like? Let's just imagine. We're not, it's not described for us. Let's just imagine it. What is this, this life of wild living? Fancy things, yeah? Gambling, yeah? Lots of lady friends. The PG-13 uh, version of that. You can probably read into that, All right? What does this look like? What do you think his social life looked like during this time, if you just had to speculate? Fake friends, what do you mean by that? Okay. People living off of what he had. Okay. How else would you imagine like a social life in this life of wild living? Lots of women. Okay. We're covering that one very thoroughly. <laughs> what else would you add to that? Uh, this here we go, Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Lack of responsibility, to put it lightly, right? I mean, that's what it says. Yeah, yeah, Amelia. Ooh. Yeah, that, that's a really important statement. He probably, and we're obviously we're speculating here, but you're saying, you said he probably hadn't, didn't have anybody who told him anything negative, right? Yeah. And so he continues his life of wild living, squanders his wealth, and what is he left with after his wealth is squandered? N nothing, right? He's, I mean, zero, it's like, it's less than, he's negative. I mean, less than zero, right? And so we see that when, when all of this wealth ran out for him, everything ran out for him. And we can probably infer, I think it's reasonable to infer, that when his wealth ran out for him, all the people around him ran out as well, right? And so, I think we can see a picture, I think it's not unreasonable to see a picture of a life where everything in it is false in some degree. His security is false, his wealth is false, his 
his situation is false, and probably all of his relationships are false as well. But what kind of sense do you think he had while he was in the midst of the highest part of it? Man, this is the best that there is, right? What was his sense of belonging in that? Man, this is amazing. This is exactly where I want to be now. But we see that it all came to an end. And so we want to talk about the difference between the false things that we kind of see in here, which is also an extreme example, uh, and the true things that we can pursue and how we can identify the true things. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. What does this mean to you? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Tell me what that, what does that say to you? When times get hard, they don't leave, okay? What does this say to you? A simple line in Proverbs. Friends are made to help each other. We don't do this faith thing alone, right? Yeah. Dylan? Mm. Yeah. Who are the people in your life that you know will be there for you when things are at their worst. I hope you can answer that question. It's my desire for everybody in this room and beyond to be able to confidently answer that question. Who are the people in your life you know will be there for you when things are at their worst? And if you're here right now and you have trouble with that question, that's okay. Or you say, I really don't know who that would be. That's okay because that's what we want to build and that's what we want to work on. Now, there are no shortcuts to real friends or real relationships. And if you've been around for our Let's Talk About Sex series, it's something we talk about all the time. Now, that's in the context of like dating and romantic relationships, but the concept is the same. Proverbs 18, 24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Unreliable friends. Isn't that a funny Funny words to put together, right? Unreliable friends. Are they your friends if they are unreliable to you? Now, true friendships, and hear this. I need you to hear this all the way through. True friendships take time. 
They take energy. They take effort. They don't just happen. You cannot swipe right to a real friendship. You can't swipe right to a real anything. Okay? And I'm confident of that. Um, and that may be uh, funny or easy to say, but we've got to understand this truth. Because what I see around us all the time is the seeking out of some of the most important relationships of our lives through fast, convenient means that leave us with a sense of little risk, little effort, and a shallow experience of each other. Don't we see this all around us? People even with tons and tons of seeming friends, but they all came fast and easy, and they will all go fast and easy. Right? Or relationships that have come really fast and really easy, and they're going to understand how fast and easy that they will go because there's nothing that's actually built about them. Uh, now, I know there's a means, now this is just a disclaimer, I know there's a means of connecting with people that are new and unheard of. There's all kinds of ways that people connect now that weren't, didn't even exist less than a generation ago. Like, for example, we all know people who have developed some of their most significant relationships with others through what? Social media? What are some other things? Online video games? That's a big one right now. I know some people who like would count their closest people in the world. And I, I think some of these really, like, really are genuine relationships that they have found through playing video games online. So I understand there's, there's all kinds of alternative, non-traditional means to the way uh, people connect with each other. And there can be real things that are found in all of those. Uh, but, but we have to be very careful not to fool ourselves with things that pretend to build community in their life when they don't actually do that. Okay. If you can turn off all your relationships with a flip of a button, then I've got to wonder about that. There's a really important point here about these kinds of friendships and how we talk about friendships, and we find it in John 15. And this is really extraordinary to me in how Jesus goes about understanding his relationships even to those who would really be under his authority and who even consider themselves an, in an authority kind of relationship uh, with him. <clears throat> so he's talking with his disciples uh, in this time, and we're getting, uh, getting kind of uh, close to the end of his uh, ministry, and he says, my command, so that's an authority kind of relationship, right? My command is this, but he says this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I want you to stop and think, just even with that statement, who are the people that you would have no hesitation 
and laying your life down for? Who are the people who you know, who you are confident would do that for you? Do you have those people? You, now listen to this, you are my what? Say it together. You are my friends. Who's saying this? Jesus, son of God. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. What right does he have to call them servants? Every right, right? We say that Jesus Christ is of God. He is God. He has every right to call them servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you, what? Friends. For everything I, that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. So he's saying, where is the barrier between them? Where is the barrier between Jesus and these disciples that he's talking to in this moment, according to what he's saying? Where's the gap? There's not one, right? He's saying, I have opened up everything that I am to you for the sake of you. And it even becomes prescient because he does exactly what he says a friend does for those he loves. And that's what? Lay down their life. So Jesus is not describing this big authority power relationship that we have. He's saying, you are my friends. And that is more valuable to me than any other relationship that we could have. So let's look at true friends and false friends, just for a moment. This obviously is not an exhaustive list, uh, but just some things to think about. In recognizing how we build these real things in our lives, how we, how we steer ourselves towards the things that are true and deep and real and lasting. So true friends and I think some of these may sound kind of obvious, but we have to understand the nuances of it. Real friends make time for each other, whereas false friends, are, the relationship is based on convenience. What do, what do I have time for? What, um, how do I give you the spare things um, of my life? True friends are aware of each other's needs. True friends understand each other. They're aware of each other. We know each other. I, uh, I know what, what you need, what's happening with you. Whereas false friends exist kind of swimming around on the surface with each other. Now, do we, have all, the, do we ha all have those people that we're not very deep with or we just have those kind of uh, surface-level conversations with? Yes, that doesn't mean they're false friends, but false friends will never, ever want to go past the surface. Right? True friends commit to the friendship. Right? Do you have a committed friend? Someone you know is there 
anytime as opposed to the people who just come and go very lightly from your life. True friends tell the truth. True, a true friend will tell you what you do not want to hear. That is something a true friend will do for you as opposed to someone who's just interested in flattering you or on the other side of that, just belittling you. Right? Do, you have, do you have the people that you, you stick with even though they make you feel terrible about yourself? That's different than telling you what you don't want to hear. Right? A true friend will value you directly as opposed to someone who only is around you because of someone else. And we've all known those people, right? We've all been in friend groups where kind of we know that there are people in the friend groups who are only around each other because there are other people uh, in the friend group. Uh, that doesn't necessarily make that false, but be careful about thinking of that as your true friends in your life. True friends will value you directly. True friends help you grow. And that's part of the truth-telling component of real friendships, right? Because you need to know the truth to be able to grow. And a real friend will be interested in you going beyond what you already are, and you the same for them, um, as opposed to the people or the friends that we have that bring out what you don't want to be. Have you had those people that you're compelled to spend a lot of time around, but when you're around them, you find yourself deep in your heart saying, this really is not what I want of myself. The kind of things I'm saying and doing and talking about and get, being a part of, I just, these are not really what I truly want, but I'm doing them because I like being around this person and I want to please them somehow. That is not a true friend in your life. Because a true friend will know you and what you want to be and will help you to get there. That's probably one of the most important things on this list. And a true friend will, uh, their connection with you is, uh, is uh, it's based, their friendship with you is based upon connection to you. Um, as opposed to based only upon other kinds of things, shared interests that you have in your life. Now, there's a lot of relationships we can have in our life that are, that are really good and interesting uh, that can happen to that. You know, there's, uh, I'm part of, like, Jeep groups, um, you know, but, and that's great, and I like that, and that's fun. Uh, but I also understand, like, if I got rid of my Jeep, I really wouldn't have much connection um, with these people, you know. Um, so, yeah, be careful about thinking of things like that or deeper or more subtle. Uh, where it's just based on things that are actually outside of you, okay? So there's just some things to think about when it comes to recognizing true friends as opposed to the false friends that, give, that may give us a kind of sense of belonging that's not actually really good for us. So what we want to do in this place, in this community, in this ministry, in our little piece of God's kingdom here in this place and on this campus, is we want to build, encourage, and provide the opportunity 
to experience everything that's in that left column, right? Because that's what we value. And we know that that's where God wants to inhabit. And that's where God can do things with us that we never could have even imagined otherwise because we have people investing in us and we are investing in people in ways that reveal truths of God and the spirit of God and the power of God in ways we never could have imagined. That's what true belonging does for us. And that's what we want to seed and water and grow in this place. Do you believe that we can do that? I believe that really, really strongly. Thank you, Bailey. <laughs> At least Bailey does. She'll give me the strong no and the strong yes. I like that. Um, uh, but do we believe that we can do that? Yes. Yes. I, if nobody else is going to believe, I'm going to believe that for us. Right? Because I see that happen. I see that happen. I'm in the business of this, and I see it happen. And it's what keeps me going. When I see the ways that you guys develop these connections with each other that become life-changing and become eternal as a, as a result of that. Um, so let's keep feeding that. Uh, let's keep doing that. Uh, and let's keep uh, uh, encouraging that in everything that we do. Let's pray about that. Father, we're thankful for the ways that we belong. And I know that the sense of belonging uh, is, in even in this room right now, goes from, I don't feel like I belong with anyone anywhere, to I have the deepest kind of sense of belonging that I could have never even imagined in my life. And everywhere in between exists right here, Father. And we're thankful for uh, the ways that you give us, uh, the people that you give us, uh, the situations that you give us that are so true and real and lasting. Uh, things that you describe, even in your friendship with us, people that would lay their lives down for us and that we would do the same. Father, and I pray in the absence of that, or the felt, uh, the felt, um, distance of that of some in this room right now, Father. I pray that there is a path forward that leads to a kind of belonging together uh, that is such a blessing for a long, long time for many, many people. Thank you for blessing us with that, and thank you for the ways that you always say to us, you belong with me and I will never leave you, and I have given everything for you because you are not just my servant. You're not just my uh, something I we give to you, Father, but you have said you're my friends, and this is why. Thank you for that. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. <laughs>